Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. A long way to go and a little bit of time to get there. I promise I'll have you out of here by 5 o'clock, all right? That we cool? That good? All right. My father-in-law was saying one time he went to preach for a guy, and he said, uh, you know, how long do I got? How long you want me to preach? He said, well, he said, you can preach as long as you want, but we leave at 12. And I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. Appreciate that honesty, brother. Preach as long as you want, but we're getting up out of here at 12 o'clock. So um, our normal time is about 12.30, and sometimes we end a little bit earlier. What's that? I got two minutes if I'm getting out of here at 12. Yeah, we got, you're right. Sorry, let me cut this crazy thing off here. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Isaiah, I'm going to see where we go. You know, sometimes I just, I always say in America, if you don't read the Bible, they act like you didn't go to church. But it doesn't matter if you quote 37 scriptures and talk about the goodness of God. You have to read a Bible verse. But um, Isaiah 62 and verse 3 and 4. Isaiah 62 verses 3 and 4. I know for sure um, I'm going to read those. And I'll also probably read um, Matthew's gospel. Just trying to figure out really where I'm going. It's good to be at a place where usually I um, I don't sit around and like prepare sermons all, all the time. I hope to be able to do that one day, but that's just not how the Lord's dealt with me in my in my span of of sharing the gospel. But I do I minister out of the overflow of my own life, which is a better way to do it. And so that's. That's just how I minister the gospel. Matthew uh, chapter 3, and I'm going to read 13 through 17 as well. Matthew 3, 13 through 17, Isaiah 62, 3 and 4. I'm going to do Isaiah 62, 3 and 4 first. You guys ready? All right. Here's what the Lord speaks to Isaiah to the nation of Israel or his people. He says this, you shall also, let me read verse 2 because there's something in there I need to get. I know I Isaiah 64 and 2. You throw that one up there for me, Cam. Sorry about that. Just looked up and I saw something. I'm like, oh, how did I, how did I miss that? Everybody say the Gentiles, which a Gentile was, that's not a kind of towel you lay in your house. That is anybody other than a Jewish person is who a Gentile would have been, okay? The Gentiles shall see your what? It's funny that righteousness can be seen. See that? The Gentiles shall see your righteousness. Watch this. And all kings will see your what? Your glory, right? And this, listen to this. This is powerful. You shall be called by a what? A new name. You shall be called by a new name. Somebody say identity. Listen to this, okay? People that don't know me are going to see your righteousness, and people of prominence, kings, will see your glory, and you will be called by a new name. In other words, I'm going to re-identify you. And who's going to give you this name? 
You don't, you don't, don't let, don't let CNN give it to you. Don't let Fox give it to you. Don't let news give it to you. Don't let Republicans give it to you or Democrats give it to you or liberals give it to you or conservatives. Don't, don't get your name from them. Don't get it from your job. Don't get it from your college that you went to. Let the mouth of the Lord do it. Right? What have I been saying for nine weeks? It is the sole responsibility of the creator to identify his creation. And it is the sole responsibility of the producer to identify the product. He said the mouth of the Lord needs to do this. And you shall also be called a crown of glory. This is what my wife calls me. She said, you're my crown. Is that what you call me, babe? That's right. See? Oh, glory to God. I'm about to go home quick. Service is over. All right. You shall also be called a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord. Watch this. And you, this is talking about us. And you will be called a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Come on now. And then he says this. This is how Israel felt as a people. You shall no longer be termed what? So they felt forsaken. Nor shall your land anymore be termed desolate. They felt forsaken and they felt desolate. He says, but you shall be called Hephzibah, which means, we learned this last week. If you didn't, weren't here last week, go back and listen to the podcast. Which means, my delight is in you. You shall be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah, which means married. The word Beulah literally means married. For the Lord, what? And you and your land shall be married. So he says, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm not going to let anybody else name you. I'm going to name you. And you're going to find out that you are Hephzibah to me, which means my delight is in you. And you're going to find out that I'm married to you. Right? Now let's look at the passage in Matthew. Matthew chapter 3. This is the baptism of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to stop Jesus saying, I need to be baptized by you, Jesus, but you're coming to me. I love the gospel. But Jesus answered and said to John, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him. And when John or Jesus had been baptized by John, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. Pitiful translation is best, is best translated. They were ripped apart, right? And John saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Jesus, right? And suddenly, I'm about to say suddenly, Suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, by the way, this is Papa talking here, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Or watch it, delighted. Lord, let your word be life to us today. In Jesus' name. Everybody say this. Say, we must have a Christological lens through which we read the scripture. You don't know this, maybe. Maybe you do. Everybody in this room 
you view life the way you do because of where you were raised, how you were raised, and by whom you were raised. You like the food you like. You watch the shows that you watch. You may, you may uh, have political views specifically because of where you were raised, who you were raised by, right? The environment you were raised in. Not a lot of people like to say this. I mean, I, I hit some big, I threw some big stones in the water last week. We even read this book because of the lenses that were placed on us by how we grew up. Remember what I told you last week? This book can either be death to people or life to people. You will either view the God of this book as a judge that's coming to get you one day, or you can actually view him the way Jesus portrayed him and told him, uh, showed us that he was a really good father. Do you know people use this book, specifically boy in the 1700s, they really, really used this book to teach people that black people didn't have souls. And so they used this book to enforce slavery. Right? Adolf Hitler used this book, specifically New Covenant Scriptures out of the book of Romans, to convince his country to wipe out or do their best to wipe out Jews, and they use scripture to do it. Why is that important? Because the, the lenses through which you, you read this book through matter immensely to how your life goes. Kaylin, those, are, those, are those pink spotted socks, I think, polka dot socks, maybe something like that? If, 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 if Kaylin was taught that's a yellow spot rather than a pink one, but I say, no, Kaylin, that's a pink one. No, but my mama told me it was yellow. And everybody in the room say, no, Kaylin, that's, that's pink. I don't, man, the clothes I get up on look like it's orange. Then why did you tell me it was pink? I tell you, you can't, you can't get, see, you can't, can't trust you. Can't trust you at all. Father, I pray right now you just open his eyes. Lord, let him see. Like Everybody say this. Say, this, this makes a difference. Now touch your neighbor and say, get closer, get closer, get closer. So, so if orange, you're going with orange? Okay, you sure? Going once, going twice. So final answer. So if Kaylin said, you know, Pastor Josh, that is a yellow spot. And I say, no, Kaylin, that's orange. I say, why do you believe it's yellow? Because my mom told me it was yellow. Everybody in the room, what color is this? Everybody in the room going to say orange. You're going to say yellow because you were told that. And the lens through which you view that is now yellow because that is what was put on you. We all get lenses put on us in life. In the last three or four years, the lenses that I had prior to now, <laughs> by God's grace, have been lifted off of me so that I see things much more clearly. So my approach toward the scripture it's not perfect, but it is a Christological approach. In other words, I have a Christ-like lens now. I used to have, listen, I had a Baptist lens at one time. I had a Methodist lens at one time. I grew up with an Assembly of God lens at one time. I had a Native American lens at one time. I had, now, now combine all those. I had a poverty lens. I had an insecurity lens. I had a you'll never be good enough lens. And then I tried to read the Bible with those lenses and all those speckles on them. <laughs> so 
So when you approach scripture, you got to read it with the proper lens. And so I want to read these scriptures with you with the proper lenses today. What did Isaiah say? He said, your name is Hepzibah. What does Hepzibah mean? The Lord what? He delights in me. I'm his pleasure. I was given permission growing up in church to think this. You can always delight in the Lord. Why? Because he's perfect. He never misses. There is no blemishes in him. He may not come when you want him, huh? but he'll be there right on time. And we were saying, he's an on time. Yes, he is. Right? We, we, we had these sayings. Y'all went to the same church I went to. Watch this, watch this, watch this. He's on time. He's on time. He's on time. <laughs> what, about, what about this? What about this? What about this? When praises go up. We would sing stuff. Everything about God was portrayed as perfect because he is perfect. So it's easy for me to find my delight in him. But because of my lenses, yes, I believe God to be perfect. First John 4, 8, God does not have love for God is love in every way. He's 100% love plus nothing else. But nobody ever gave me permission to believe that God could delight in me. The scripture does not say that he is my Hepzibah. It says that I am his. If you were God, what would you take delight in? Would you take delight in the mountains of the world? They're beautiful to me. Would you take delight in some of the rivers? They're beautiful. What about these new photos that are all over social media right now because of the, the, the new depth or distance they've got now with the telescope? By the way, have you guys seen those? It's breathtaking. If I was God, I'm like, I would take delight in that. But God doesn't take delight in any of the seven, eight, or nine wonders of the world. That's not what he takes delight in. He doesn't take delight in all of our grander church buildings, definitely ones with closets, not like this one, but he doesn't take delight in those, right? I don't believe he takes delight in the wonder of the universe. I don't, that's not something that he takes delight in. But you know what he really takes delight in? He takes delight in Hepzibah, people that at the time of that writing, context is always king. When you take text out of context, you're left with what? Con. Text is always king here. Context is king. People that felt forsaken, he said, in your forsaken mindset, he said, even in that condition, you are Hepzibah to me. So I struggled growing up thinking, well, once I quit cussing, you know, I, maybe I can be Hepzibah. Once I quit lusting or, or having sex or doing the stuff or feeling insecure, once I get all this stuff perfect, then maybe I'll be somebody that God takes delight in. And I could do good for a week or maybe a month, but eventually I would miss it. And no, I can't be Hepzibah. But God says, no, even when you feel forsaken, even when you feel desolate, even when your life is not perfect, to me, I take delight in you. Come on now. What kid do we have in this room that really is perfect? None, but you still take delight in them. <laughs> 
God says, I take delight in you. I take delight in you. Now watch this. Has your kid ever brought you a painting or a picture home from school that they painted and you know it's ugly? <coughs> Lord have mercy. I mean, the spirit of grace came on me one day. Honor brings on me. <laughs> you know, walking like a orangutan. Just like that. Paint, paint, paint. Look what I... I'm like, Lord, I hope you don't ask me do I like it, Lord. Uh, you like this? Go ask your mama, boy. Go ask your mama. Like, you like this? And then, then, then I start out operating like God, like, well, I'm not going to just operate off what I see. <laughs> but yeah, and I love that. I love that photo. It's beautiful. Because it came from you. It's, it's, it's beautiful. And I was able, watch this, to take delight in something that my imperfect child produced. Right? Right? So God says, even when things aren't perfect in your life, you need to be settled in your identity. I want you to know this. Your identity does not fluctuate. Not from God toward you. It's settled. Jesus Christ approaches, see, watch this. If it's true of Jesus, it's true of you. Jesus was the embodiment of all humans on the planet. Our problem is we got more faith in what Adam did and who Adam was than we do in Jesus. We believe that all men were embodied in Adam, but we don't believe that all men were embodied in the last Adam, who is Jesus. Jesus was all flesh. The father speaking over the son of God, the only begotten says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased or delighted in. Was literally speaking over all flesh, humanity saying, watch this. This hit me last night on my couch. When the father spoke over the only begotten son, Watch this. He was speaking over all of the sons in the sun. I'm going to throw this Bible across the back of the room as quickly as I can. You hear what I just said? When the father spoke over his only begotten son and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He was literally speaking over all flesh because we were all sons in the sun. Understand there are only two kind of people on the planet. Those that already know their sons and those that don't. I'll never forget, Jesus said to me in prayer, he said, Why, when, you, when, when you travel and speak, quit trying to save the world. Because I already did. You don't travel and minister to save the world. Now you minister to tell the world you've already been saved. Be awakened to it. See this happening. The father speaks over the son and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and the sons in the sun that would come out of the sun, the father was literally speaking over to us. He was saying, Peter, you're my beloved. Catherine, you're my beloved. Sawyer, you're my beloved. Kaylin, you're my beloved. Monique, you're my beloved. Treats, you're my beloved. For why do we not rest in that truth? Like, I don't care if you walk out of here and you bump your toe and you say a bad word. It's not like you go from beloved to non-beloved. Right? Right, I'm on God's good list. I'm not on his good list. Like he's Santa Claus. Come on, we, I, I said this two years ago now, I guess. A lot of us have a Santa Claus theology rather than a Savior theology. 
You actually didn't believe that God has a list and he's checking it twice. Because you actually think the Lamb's Book of Life is what you heard in America. But anyway, I'm going to just keep right on going. We have made Christians to have the most fickle of all identities, really, in regards to faith, we have one of the most fickle ones in America. Because we believe you could be in and you can be out. We believe you could be good, then bad, then back to good again. We believe you can be righteous and then unrighteous and then righteous and then unrighteous again. And what we're doing when we do that is we say we still believe that what Adam did, Jesus, has affected my identity more than what you did. But Jesus didn't come to compete with Adam. He came to completely undo everything Adam released on the planet. What Jesus did, Darla, if you're in here, would you please come back to the keys for me? What Jesus did was not transactional. I'm going to die on a cross for you. And hopefully, maybe this will impact every human on the planet. I don't know. Maybe it will. Because what Adam did in sin impacted everybody. And do you not think that what Christ has done in righteousness will? We struggle over truth because we weren't taught that way. This was not meant to be transactional. You don't have a transactional faith. You have a transformational faith. There is no if you, then I in the new covenant. There is only this is what the son has done. Jesus. See, let me just read this to you. I'll say this to you rather. Jesus gets baptized and the father speaks over all flesh. You're my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased because understand that God was actually in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself. Adam damned all of humanity in a garden, but here comes the last Adam, the only begotten son of the father, full of grace and truth. He's not coming to create humans 2.0, but the scripture says he's coming to give birth to a whole new creation. A whole new human race was born through the son. So much so now that any man that is in Christ Jesus literally becomes a whole new creation this is why isaiah said don't let people name you don't get your identity from what you do because as long as you get your identity from temporal things your identity will literally be like shaky so if you get if you think of yourself a certain way only when you have money that's cool until pandemic hits and when the money's gone your identity's shaken if you think you're only cool because you got this job, then that's cool until a demotion happens or maybe you lose your job and then your identity's shaken. Shall we keep going? I'm this way because of who I'm married to or the relational circles that I'm involved in. That's cool until something happens in those relationships and they go sour and then your identity is in jeopardy. But I say this, find your identity in the only one true eternal source in the known world or universe, and that is in him. Get planted in the sun. 
The prodigal son tells his dad, he says, Dad, I want my inheritance. In his day, that was essentially saying, I'm ready for you to die. I wish you were dead because you didn't get an inheritance until they died. And he was demanding in there, I wish you were dead. And his father gives it to him. And the son of a wealthy man goes away into a far country. Far country. He distanced himself from the father. In Luke 15, there is three parables about three lost things. There is a parable of a lost sheep. There's a parable of a lost coin. And there's a parable of a lost boy or a lost son. All of those are about ownership. I want you to understand this. Three things got lost, but they never got disowned. You ain't heard nothing that good in years. Listen to what I'm telling you. Three things got lost, but they never got disowned. Matter of fact, something can't be lost until it first belonged. So before anybody on the planet ever felt lost, the fact that you felt lost actually is a reminder that you belong somewhere. And you belong before you ever were lost. Because before you and I were ever temporarily lost in Adam, we were already eternally found in Jesus Christ. Anyway, that lostness that people feel is because home is calling you. That boy went, spent all he had, right? Spent all he had. He's a Jewish boy and he can't get a job. He has no money to eat. He's a Jewish boy and he finally, he's so desperate, he gets a job feeding swine, which for him would make him unclean. And he ends up feeding stuff, sorry, that he can't even eat. That went right over y'all's head. He was feeding stuff that would never feed him in return. And you know what the Bible, this is beautiful. You know what the Bible says about him? His identity was in jeopardy, by the way. And the scripture says this of him, Caleb. It says, it says he, would, he was at the point, he was fixing to eat the same thing, the pods that he was feeding to the swine. It says this, but he came to himself. He came, came to himself. He came to himself. He came. And he says this, he says, I will arise and do what? I'm going back home. You know, one of our values here is we will always point people home. Home is not so much a specific location as it is a, a being, a, his father. He says, I will arise and go back to my father's house. Him coming to himself was him having to say, I have made some mistakes. <laughs> I probably false identified myself. But now my money's gone. Now my friends are gone. He even felt like his position as a son was gone, but he was in for a rude awakening. He says, I will arise and I'm going to go back to my father's house. And he gets himself back up and he starts making his way back home. And on the way there, the scripture shows us this, is that he starts writing a speech. He says, I will tell my father, I have sinned against heaven. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. Yeah, he, that'll really move his heart. And then, uh, then, then he says this. He says, I'll tell him, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me to be like one of your hired servants. He's thinking to himself, man, daddy's definitely, if I get rid of all this, maybe he'll take me back. He didn't even know that every day Papa was standing on the porch looking at like, where's he at? Because he thought he could lose sonship. But once you become son, you can never be unsunned. Come on. Come on. And Abba was waiting on his boy to come back home. Dad sees him coming and the scripture says, wow, he's a great way off. In other words, the father didn't wait for him to come back. 
The father says, I'm coming to where you are. I'm enjoying you in your far great way off. And the father says, I'm not waiting for you to close the gap between separation or distance. I'm going to close it for you. And the father sees him and runs to where he is. And the boy's feeling embarrassed. And instantly the Bible says the father embraced him in his smell, which would have made both of them unclean. Come on. And he says this, he's kissing him and hugging him. And the son, you know, reaches in his pocket and pulls out his broken speech. And he says, dad, I want to say this to you. He says, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. And all the while he's talking, what's his dad doing? If you've been missing your son for months and he show up at your house, I got to put, I got to put my Ebonics there. He show up at your house. Do you think for one, you, you thought he was dead. Do you think you're going to say, uh, uh, read me your speech. I want to know exactly where you've been. No, you, you don't care about that stuff. His dad said, come here. His dad is embracing him and hugging. I'm talking about man hugging him and kissing him. And he can't even finish his speech. He gets to the part where he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. And at that part in the scripture, the Bible says the father never even let him finish his statement. He says, hey, get Get this boy a robe, the best one, mine. Get a ring for his finger, which really is, that's really identity. Get that for him now and get some new shoes for his feet. Because I don't care where he's been walking that, it never, it never disqualified him from being my boy. And even when you lost your identity, son, I'm about, to be, I'm about to put a ring on you, a robe on you, shoes on you. I'm about to re-identify you. And I'm, I, the ring is important, the robe is important, and the shoes is important. But I'm going to tell you one thing that meant more to that boy than anything else. It was the fact that I saw my dad run. <laughs> he found out his dad was a runner and a road watcher and he found out his dad was an embracer and a kisser Psalms 2 says kiss the son lest he be angry with you and he found out I thought my identity could be shaken by where I was and there's times in my own life when I'm done that to me if I, be, if I can be honest with you in my own life my identity from my perspective, was always shaken until I found out from heaven's perspective, it's never shaken. And I started viewing myself as Hepzibah. Not only can I take delight in him, but I found out even in my dirt, he still takes delight in me and that birthed a transformation in me. And today I can say, he delights in me. Come on, stand to your feet. He's Hepzibah. I'm his Hepzibah. Why don't you just take a moment and say, he delights in me. Come on, he delights in me. Think about your biggest fears and still say, even in that, he delights in me. My worst failures, even in that, he delights in me. My worst insecurities, even in that, he delights in me. When I didn't know him, he still delighted in me. When I felt distance from him, he still delighted in me. He spoke over the sun. Thus the sons in the son and told me that I was his beloved and in me, he was pleased. He delights in me. And if he spoke that over the son before he ever did anything, then he was literally telling me, you don't got to do anything for me to be delighted in you. I'm delighted in you simply because you're mine. Because I am his and he is mine. Solomon said, I am my beloved's and my beloved's is mine. His name is like ointment poured forth. The Lord delights in me. He delights in showing 
mercy. And his mercies are new every single morning. I heard the Lord say this. August is going to be a month of mercy. Ooh, listen to me and I'm done. August is going to be a month of mercy. Mercy does not mean he was going to get you, but he's not going to get you anymore. That's American definition of mercy. Bartimaeus said, son of David. He didn't say heal my eyes. He said, son of David, have mercy on me. And in the mercy was healing. In the mercy was wholeness. They said, Lord, have mercy on us. In his mercy is this kindness. In his mercy is restoration. In his mercy is healing. And I heard the Lord say, August is going to be a month of mercy. You better be, you better be preparing for this thing. If I was you, I would go home and make room for the mercy that's coming your way. <laughs> Come on, put away your buckets. Get out your barrels. You better slide some room over because your closet's not big enough. Mercy is running toward you. His mercy is getting ready to be lavished on you. It's mercy. This is mercy. 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 I spoke to a few of our families to come up forward for this time of prayer. I want to just open up our altars. I'm closing. If you're one of those families, please come forward. I want to just minister to a few people. If you need physical healing, this is open to you. Emotional healing, this is open to you. Wisdom or guidance, this is open to you. But I'll just tell you, I'm telling you, the Lord says, I want to extend mercy toward people. If you feel like you've been wrongly identified, you've been labeled, you've been wearing the label, this is for you. I'm going to count to three and I'm done. I just want Darla to take a few moments and just play. And we're just going to minister to people. You are God's Hepzibah. He finds delight in you. He spoke over you that you're his beloved, the one that he takes delight in. Regardless of where you are right now in life, see yourself as his delight. One, two, three. Come on, if you want some ministry, come to the front. We want to minister to you. Father, thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. Thank you for ministering your love to us. I pray, Jesus, that all throughout this week, we will have Hepzibah moments, Hepzibah moments of mercy in our car, driving to work, maybe even in the shower, sitting in the den of our living rooms while we're working in our cubicles. Give us Hepzibah moments, moments of reminder, remembrance of the fact that you take delight in us. Come on, I release you now in Jesus' name. If you need ministry, we would love to do that with you and for you right now. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.